0: Chapter Review show. It's a chapter Review show. Chapter preview show. It's a chapter Review
1: show. Join us as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on.
2: Brandon Moore and I just decided how we just do a joking riff on some of the wackiest and yet deadliest uh, video game big
0: bosses
2: (laughs) oh yeah the ones that just you wanted to just kick their ass the minute you saw the cinematics the minute you saw the cover the minute you saw oh man (laughs) so Welcome back, and... Thank <laughs> okay. you. Uh, so, okay. when when you were getting into video games throughout the 80s and 90s, um, when did you just kind of just realize, it's like, hey, you know, these games are starting to have actual personas. It's not just whoever's the voice actor is or how it's animated.
3: <laughs> um, I mean, the first... I mean, I guess... It, The first real video game boss that was not like, like, I remember seeing Bowser, you know, in Super Mario Brothers, but it's like was it was just mention. it was just like it was just like it was just like uh it was it was part one, so it was like okay, this is very arcadey, whatever. I didn't really it, it didn't really it doesn't have any gravitas. It's just a guy jumping up and down. But when I got my first actual video game system of my own, um, would have been uh, the Super Nintendo, and uh, when I played Ganon, when I had to fight Ganon at the end of Link, uh, Legends Out of the Link to the Past, um, that that was probably the first real boss that was like, this has meaning. Like, this actually, um, there's, you know, you have this entire world that was built around to lead up to him, and you have to go through all these pieces, and you fight him, like, two or three times or something, and he just gets stronger every other time. And that was the first time where um, I... Uh, that there was an actual meaning behind it. He had he had real power and and it felt like a boss. It didn't just feel like a like <laughs> just some pixelated thing that is hard to get around. Um, so intimidating. Uh, so over the top. Yeah, because there's nothing really <laughs> stopping. I mean, you have to you know complete all the objectives to get to where he is. But if you were good enough and you didn't necessarily unlock all the special things that you you could get. You could walk up there and fight him with kind of mediocre stuff, and and you kicked your ass, and you like, oh god, okay, I'll, let me reset, go back. Um, and uh, yeah, it is, it, it was just awesome. The, the, the entire lead up, the, the music. Um, his dialogue's pretty crap, but you know, it was '92 or whatever, so you give it a break. Cause it was a Super Nintendo game. They didn't, it wasn't meant to be a massive in a role-playing game where you had to read a novel to get through it.
2: Yeah. And I mean...
3: Uh, that uh, That's a good point,
2: though, in that he was kind of just also the one where it's like, okay, you know, Mario's got to be innocent and guilty. Everyone, you know, the hero's got to be cute and Bowser's got to be giant, ugly, you know, turtle <laughs> you know, spikes. <laughs> it's just... It's like you say. It's like there, there's a persona, and then there's kind of the just nature of it all. And then there's just like, well, I didn't, I didn't even know what to expect. <laughs> um, I always dug the various uh, villains in the Splinter Cell video game series just because it was impossible to predict them. You didn't know if they were gonna try and fight you on your own, you know, in a sword fight or gunfight, you know? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, but more often than not, they were, like, real-world bosses where they'd have, you know, endless amounts of, you know, henchmen trying to kill you, and you'd have to duck behind the corner, and then when they ran out of ammo, you'd just, you know... (laughs) And, like, Solid Snake, you could do whistling, intimidate them, make them try and come around, (laughs) walk into your trap.
3: That's that's a good point, because... Like that's kind of what where modern video games really have gone now is that like, um, it, it's not just the big bad evil guy, um, and that's it. It's just him, where you can bring everything you have against him. That there's usually a lead up, a, a real lead up, not just like a, a world that brings you to it. Like like, a, but, like they have mooks that you have to kill and. <laughs>
2: no matter what setting it's on even if it was a game based on an actual blockbuster movie they would have to pretty much go to that format but i mean i saw plenty of other ones that were kind of their own deal and i'm surprised no one even made a saturday morning cartoon or show off of them like siphon filter and (laughs) um yeah it was just kind of that any guy could get into it because it was kind of no different than say doom or tomb raider just kind of all this diehard kind of indiana jones kind of action and then (laughs) avoiding death traps and uh choose between first and third person um uh, i think definitely the call of duty franchise went there during modern warfare just because uh the main russian guy who sets off the nuke uh, Imrad Zakharov, yeah, it's just like he was just so intimidating. You just see him just blast guys just in front of you, and just seeing him, you know, the fact that he sets off all these nukes at endless times is like that's just diabolical. Just how he, it doesn't matter where he is, he is just he, he, he wants not just World War Free, he wants World War Four through Six. <laughs> It's like Jesus and the fact that you could interact with them during the segments. I liked how that was becoming the trend. (laughs) It was kind of fair game for everybody. You could kind of intimidate them all. And, you know, this was also around the time when everybody started, uh, you know, doing motion capture. So the voice actor you're seeing, you know, it felt all the more real and even more intimidating. Um, and I think they would be an awesome movie, but if someone's going to do a movie of it, they better be really damn good. Like, it better. And especially if you're talking about Vladimir Makarov, when he's got just these gigantic, just ridiculously sized weapons, and <laughs> General Shepard, who's even voiced by Lance Henriksen and has kind of some of his characteristics
3: in <laughs> it. Yeah, that, that's a good point. Like, when you think about it, like, if you, you go back, you play call of duty or you know medal of honor things like God that were filled. based in <laughs> real world like you're actually i mean i guess it's not the first obviously you had things like more of a fictional telling like wolfenstein and things like that that would go and put you against hitler and stuff like that but yes. hey, it's, it's, it's different when you're you're in a realistic setting real guns the real place they try to make it look as real as possible and you you are actually trying to do the similar objectives that that would have went on Um,
2: and all the inside like movie references and you're like i see what you did there (laughs) you're making fun of red dawn you're making fun of cliffhanger you're making fun of (laughs) all these other crimson tide the rock all these other bruckheimer movies um but yeah it's like And then some of these guys halfway through just, you know, would betray you or you'd be undercover with and they'd kill that character. So it's just like there's always a way for them to rub it in the gamer's face and just look forward to the final level. (laughs) Um, I'm sure they could do, yeah, Medal of Honor in Battlefield would also be interesting. That's just a movie because it's like you could always find a creative way to just do all the, uh, just dress up, you know. Still, someone's uniform go undercover, and then have there just be just some towering bad guy who just takes no prisoners and is just shameless in there, (laughs) just wanting to kill you. I'll go into some of the RPGs since you mentioned them earlier. Um, what what's your take on the Kingdom Hearts games?
3: (laughs) You know, those came when those were coming out. Like, I I've never. I've never finished any of them. I've I have played some of them. Um, but when that came up cuz that was I, I believe the first one was PS2 um, which by that point I I had moved on to PC games pretty heavily <laughs> at that point. Um so I I probably would have played it quite heavily had I I, I did. I always, I always saw it and I was like, "Oh man, that's really cool. They mixed all these different characters together. I really should get into that and then never never really did i tried to play it on emulator a few times and got into it a little bit um but is I, emulator I think they're kind of like steam or? an emulator is more like just like taking a computer and um uh just running your own emulated version oh of the you're simulating
2: gotcha yeah okay.
3: <laughs> yeah just so that way you know I, I could play it on that way but um but you know by that point i was already into pc games so i didn't really get on that train back then, which it looks like a an awesome game. I I just never got into it myself.
2: I had some friends who would just flat out just come over and just literally just you could tell they've had endless hours just butt and mashing. They knew all the combos. I'm like Jesus.
3: <laughs> yeah. <good> at this. <laughs> yeah. A lot of my a lot of role playing games like. That I got into really were like, I suppose, uh, I mean, Final Fantasy 7, The original was, I mean, I played both the remake and the original now, but um, those those had a, a huge impact because I, I I played those. But uh, probably going a little bit further back would be the first real like baddie that was like, oh my God, this guy is more than just he's not just the boss. He's not just like a, a pixelated guy. It was probably Kefka from final fantasy (laughs) six he was just this fucking nut job that you you met him really early on in the game you didn't not see him at almost every interval he always had something going on and you just see his decline into madness and his power i mean he literally destroys the world in the game spoiler alert 25 (laughs) years later um you know but he literally destroys the the game that you're in and And that doesn't
2: make
3: you hate him yeah he separates your party you have to you basically have to go find everybody again um and when you do finally reach him he's turned into this amalgamation of like angels and devils and these beings and he's just completely mad um and yeah that that was one of the the first real bad guys that uh, I got into a game. that's like, this is a lot different. This guy actually has a personality. He has something that is um, more than just, okay, this is the, this is now this is the boss or whatever that I'm going to be today. But um, yeah. And, and, and it was, it was so odd. Cause it's like, there are times where you, and I think it's because you actually get to interact with him. Um, In a way that is, and this is probably more of the fact that it's an RPG more than it's uh, an adventure game, but you have to interact with him at parts of the game where you're not trying to kill him. He's just being himself. He's being an evil guy, and (laughs) you're, you know, he's running around doing his evil thing. Definitely a lot of running around, and it is kind
2: of funny how some of the act so cowardly, and you're like, no, hey, (laughs) you You don't get to be you know cowardly after you know causing this much mayhem. <laughs> yeah.
3: and yeah, it's just so, yeah, it, it was awesome to see like even like you know his his tower where you have to go meet him at the way you have to and you have to fly in to go do it and all that. And the entire the entire um, thing is made up of his creation and everything. And so, yeah, it it was, you know, it, looking back on it, it was like, wow, he was really a good villain, and um, I, I would love to see, I would love to see that brought back in more of a 3D um, treatment where they get to explore the story a lot more with with updated technology and bigger worlds and things like that.
2: I'm actually really surprised
3: they haven't really examined too much of the.
2: Uh... 3D aspect, because it seemed like it was just getting eaten up by blockbuster movies for a while, post-2009, and then it just kind of just stopped after three years. They just couldn't keep up with the trend. Didn't seem to be making them any more money. But yeah, video games, it seemed like you would have thought they would have offered it more, but I guess not. (laughs) I don't know if it was just not in demand, or...
3: (laughs) I guess it depends on I don't know I think uh, I think the reason why like like Final Fantasy 7 got a you know a whole remake is that I think for a lot of people when the PlayStation came out that was the first like 3D rendition of this Final Fantasy series and so it got the most attention even though it really wasn't the most let's say the most well-written game ever but um, <laughs> it it just captivated because it you look at it now and it's like oh my god how did i ever think but whenever you uh, whenever you see like the, the the cinematic part of the game you're like when you think back to when you were a kid playing those that's how you saw that game uh, those graphics were that good then it's like that's how i remembered it. it must have been this crazy you know um fully cg character and um and then when you go back you're like uh oh, it's kind of blocky but you know it has a charm
2: it definitely had a charm to it, and I had some snobby neighbors who would act like, oh, you know, this is different from this, you know, from this versus GameCube. I'm like, no, they're all special in their own way. <laughs> in some games, it doesn't matter what platform you have them on. The graphics might be a little limited, but you play it anyway because you like the gameplay and the world it's in.
3: <laughs> oh. Yeah. I, just, I, don't, I don't know. I mean, the only game I ever... I think the only game I I have really ever actually played because I wanted to enjoy the way it looked was probably Gran Turismo and and all that and the racing games. Oh, man. Uh, You know. I would. That's... Yeah.
2: I would love to have seen that become a movie kind of like Need for Speed or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Gran Turismo is kind of interesting because you don't... You don't really... You don't really see them uh, like the villains up front. It's just so odd how your biggest opponents are the car that's faster.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I mean those. I almost jokingly put on here as one of my things. Like, there's a I remember on Gran Turismo One, there's these tests you have to do, and there's just one annoying one in a really shitty car that you have (laughs) to get. You have to get like gold star to get past this test to get something unlocked, and and I could never do it in my in my teenage years, I was just, I was just like, I couldn't break right. I didn't understand what, you know, I didn't know anything about racing. I just knew go fast. and I go around the corner or whatever. I didn't know there were racing Gotta lines. to slide in a certain like way. <laughs> yeah, and uh, yeah, that 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 type of stuff infuriated me. But, um, but yeah, that that's that's really the only game that I I I would ever go back and was actually the purpose for it was the way it looked more than. The gameplay, Uh, though not the gameplay was good, but um.
2: Yeah, always and it just was easy to get into them let alone with uh, Ace Combat I mean, you see those guys just having it uh, up in anime kind of style (laughs) Oh, yeah Uh, That was the other one that was a fun game (laughs) Uh Grand Theft Auto, I mean, was kind of oh. a similar way where it's just like you can decide how you want to take down any of the bad guys. They all are in different terse, literally, little in different areas, different cities.
3: <laughs> now, are you talking about like uh, top-down view GTA, like the one and two, the old school one? Or are you talking about when it, they finally made it more into the...
2: Oh, kind of post-Part 3, um, you know, you just yeah. started seeing, you know. Crooked cops started seeing other gangsters he didn't know yeah had any say
3: <laughs> you, yeah this kind of semi-open world yeah where you could do you could deal with the bosses how you want and <laughs> i'm actually i'm actually playing i actually went back and started gta3 just last week um which uh it's uh easier than i than i than i remember it <laughs> really all right yeah <laughs> I guess it maybe it's because I'm playing on a computer rather than, because uh, I know whenever it came out i probably played it on a Playstation or yeah, whatever. But...
2: You gotta do button mashing.
3: <laughs> yeah, that was... Yeah, the villains in there... I mean, you're technically... You kinda... I mean, there's villains and there's the bad guys. You're technically a bad guy. You're just kind of a lackey for all the bigger fish in the game.
2: Yeah. How it took forever for them to allow your character to not die in the water
3: <laughs> oh yeah and when they got when once it got to like i i believe that would have been when they got to like vice city and they and and onward when you could have flat tires and they went and then when Fork when four four just changed the the game where it was just so hyper realistic and you could do it just has so much more um story built into it the the villain's um you i think you could i've never really beat four but i i i almost think it's more like a choose your own adventure you can kind of decide who you're gonna work for and what you do and and that changes the outcome of what happens. oh yeah
2: and by, by by that point it was impossible to not have a villain or cinematic that wasn't inspired by that yeah and uh i played the I know most people were playing Just Cause, which was another kind of popular knockoff shows or game. And then... Uh, What's the other one? It might just be... Yeah, Roddy... I think that's it, yeah. One of them had Roddy Piper in him. <laughs> he was just playing himself, but
3: yeah, the Just Cause series. I never played it much, but my son loved those games, and they were they they reminded me a lot of like almost like mixing GTA and Tomb Raider together. Like this freestyle, just fucking go crazy, do what you want, and uh, type of the Saints uh, Row. That's what I was thinking.
2: Yeah. Oh but yeah. GTA. Yeah. Um, I played the Godfather video game briefly, but uh, I was mainly playing Mercenaries. Ground of Destruction, and, and, you
3: know. Oh, yeah.
2: It was by Pandemic, LucasArts, and there were just so many, much like all these other games, there would just be some, it was just wild what voice actors they would get, let alone how many people you could betray and then pay to basically say, oh, forgive me. <laughs> i work for you again until I decide to betray you again. <laughs> In which case, it'll cost me five times more. <laughs>
3: That reminds me of uh, as far as I suppose I I don't know if it counts, but I I mean it was a video game. It was uh, on Star Wars Galaxies, um, (laughs) the the, the MMO. Uh, I I would I actually played a uh, I I played a doctor on on that where you could give buffs to people, and I remember befriending at that time like they had the Jedi people who were really rare who you didn't see too many of them and then you had people were bounty hunters who would it was their job to find them and kill them and i i remember like selling the information to bounty hunters like just real people like being like yeah i know where this guy's gonna level up at um i sell stuff to him all the time um i'll gladly tell you where he is but you gotta pay me you know money so I can yeah do that and i would betray them but i would still sell them really good stuff so they keep coming back to me and i and I remember being that kind of two-faced player that I could I could get these Jedi killed and then they would uh <laughs> then the bounty hunters would come to me for for more uh more money. It's it's I thought when you think about it that you could actually in those type of games you could you, you could be the the underhanded type of player, villain whatever.
2: <laughs> and essentially just like Hmm. How am I? Get, and this is before years before is like when everyone was literally having to pay out the ass to have actual in-game credits. <laughs> hmm, how much do I play this game? Hmm. Maybe I should donate two hundred to get actual two hundred in-game credits. No, that's I can't justify. Oh yeah. <laughs> is that the real big boss? <laughs> Pet, big villain? <laughs>
3: yeah. I, I re- until until World of Warcraft came along, buying credits was just like... It was like a... I don't know, I didn't really think much of it until they came along, and then... It Star Wars was like games have way worse at that. There was like
2: another Battlefield 2 or something that was glitching or something, and oh, yeah. it's like, you're going to have to literally spend your entire life savings if you want to complete anything in this game. It's just, yeah. Wow.
3: <laughs> yeah, the in-game credit... Uh, Fiasco that whenever loot boxes started coming out and you know, it's just all microtransactions and shit and <laughs> <laughs> that, that 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 you are right that is like that would be the top villain because I'm so annoyed that like I, I I bought a PS4 Pro like two years ago for the explicit purpose of playing Final Fantasy 7 Remake um in 2020 and then Sony releases this kind of intermission. Episode uh, of Final Fantasy seven and it's considered a DLC, but it's only available on the PS5, which no one can seem to get because scalpers are fucking taking it. So it's like, that's real shitty. <laughs> uh, when I was doing valet
2: parking, I would just it was pretty much the final game I ever just played on my phone. And it was this one, like just star Wars game where you could literally unlock characters and make your own custom army. It didn't matter what side they were on. You had your, you know, you fight the computer or other people online and, you know, this is a few years before Fortnite was becoming big and all this other stuff. And I just, I literally just, I, I was progressing so far. And then like the game just crashed on my phone. And then I was just like, Oh, hell no. You know what? Life is short. I'm spending way too much time on a game where none, none, none of it matters. I like the whole concept and everything, but... I, you know, you're, you're just continually just limiting my resources, making it hard to gain any points or in-game currency. You want me to pay out the ass, and I'm just like, yeah, no. I'm, I'm dumb. I'm full of myself at this point in my life i'm not
3: that stupid (laughs) yeah at this point like if i play a mobile game it's got to be something that is just like a port of a game that i know doesn't have like i've bought all kinds of like like final fantasy tactics the old playstation game i've bought that as a port on the phone um because i know you know they haven't went in and like tried to okay at level four you're gonna have to get more energy that that game is as it is there's nothing to it but if you try and play like like a new release type of game or something on mobile it's almost guaranteed to have something to keep you held back or it's not quite all the way there unless you pay for it and
2: (laughs) the nerve these people
3: (laughs) yeah i mean we used to get demo discs you gave us a whole game or you gave us a demo disc that's what you did you know and now it's I'm pretty sure games now are just manufactured to be incomplete so they can sell it as DLC, but.
2: (laughs) You would also like to think that, I don't know, there could be just some other alternative. It's like, okay, can I just, like, do a mission for someone in exchange for like this and unlocking this gadget or i give away this useless thing i have no use for so i can get this shielding and armor
3: yeah there there is that type of grind there's the there's the pay to win faster and then there's just the regular playing where you know as long as you've got the time you'll eventually get there um uh but the the I think the age of like the single player games. I think it's I think it's slowly returning back um, during that mid 2000 era to the where it just started transitioning to you have to have an online player base or you have to have some sort of multiplayer thing to be successful and and you know and that's fine. I don't care if people like the Fortnite type games where it's just battle royale or whatever. That's cool. I, I don't really get into that much, but. Um it's nice to see games like Fallout will still they'll still stay up but even Fallout made their own multiplayer game. Um after a little said and done, but But as far as like just bosses in general, I mean what's the one that I guess what's one that not just had a what is the boss that you if you had to think about it and it's like that is the boss that made me want to break a controller what what defines (laughs) that boss
2: often it's a mix of you've tried every kind of difficulty and you had to redo the whole level there's no saving point if you want to save it's literally before you're about to be shot by someone or something Uh, there were a few RPGs there was one where you could play as the various X-Men and then it was just like getting old guys <laughs> um, I think I was just really just sick to death of uh, I know I played like one of those ultimate Avengers games and just there were certain levels where it's just like just someone give us a nudge in the right direction there was always on every single uh, Ratchet and Clank game even the more easier kind of phoned in games uh uh, but yeah there uh yeah i'm gonna go with that rajin clank and just would always have like just the end boss would just be so spoiled so this cartoonish kind of character using a giant robot or something you know, just uh, or just endless you know henchmen who aren't even all that good and sometimes they just come straight up to you and just use this giant gun and it's like You had to really be creative with your wrench throwing, you know, just so you had time to collect, you know, and just jump around, avoid all the lava guns or something. (laughs) So, but yeah, that, even if I didn't throw my controller, I was just like, this is just hurting my head. I should just go outside now (laughs) since, you know, it's afternoon. (laughs) It's typically when people play with friends and everything and, you know. Jump on the swing set because I gotta just also just clear my mind and just not let this level just kill the fun that I've invested.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what uh, that, that's what I feel about Rainbow Road and the, the original Mario Kart. <laughs> I uh, that 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 was if I had to like lay something out as a boss, that was just like I know I, I mean I, I I eventually beat it as as, as a kid, but it's like that was the ai in that type of game was not it wasn't made to be like uh the cars will the carts will know how to get around you it's like we don't know how to build ai in 1994 or whatever we're just gonna have these fuckers shoot you know everything they can and you have no rails and you'll just fall off the side of the track and that that's that's the difficulty and um and having to fend off all all of that at the same time um that, that was definitely the one of the <clears throat> probably most stressful type of bosses that boss type of uh endings to a game um i will say though that like i uh, i got breath of the wild um for the wii u um and that that game was incredible um i i, I didn't expect much every time i've played these newer Zelda games from like basically the 64 on, it's like they, they've they just kind of been very linear, and, and this one was so open-world that I was like, this is incredible, this is how they should make every Zelda game going forward. Um, but when they... I bought the DLC with it, and um, at this point I was already playing hard mode, and I, I... There's this boss that you can... After you beat all the other bosses in the game, whatever, and you go back, and you go to your little shrine or whatever and you 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 turn on this last sh- area uh, you fight this guy called Monk Maz Koshia and he's oh, sure. he's this he's this ridiculous like spirit incarnate of all the little monsters you you fought along the way and um and it was the it was actually one of the most rewarding fights that I've ever seen in a video game that it was incredibly challenging um you had to implement everything you've ever learned in the game so far and what's totally. to new and, um, and and it was very tough and and the thing is that like in, in Breath of the Wild you have other factors like stamina you have to pay attention to you have your life <laughs> you have to pay attention to and, and then you have weather effects too that you gotta, it, it may be raining the, the time you try and fight them, it may not be it might be sunny, it might be windy, whatever <laughs> um, but the, the reward, though, I mean, you literally get, literally, you get like some. It's a motorcycle. You get a motorcycle is what you get for beating him. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, uh, it was, yeah, it was one of the craziest fights I've I've ever had to endure in a video game. Um, but wasn't just like beat your head against it. Like this isn't fun anymore. It was actually, it was actually challenging. You 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 had to adapt and overcome. And um, whereas like you know a lot of bosses that might get claimed to be hard, like, say, from, like, the older days of, like, first-person shooters, like, in the 90s, where it was just, like, what made it difficult was you, you didn't have the same guns as they did or they had more health, and it was just attrition rather than skill. Um,
0: <laughs>
3: but.
2: Yeah, good point, because, I mean... Any of these could have backfired. So.
3: Yeah, it, the t- gamers of today, like the type of games they they get into now, they are so much more high quality, and and the tech behind them make them just more than what like I I would have ever had thought was possible when I you know I was 15 or something in the 90s thinking of video games like i would have never thought you could program bosses to do the kind of things you you see now um and they're getting so you know they, they i think i think dark souls is a game that i think can if i remember those bosses right i, I think they i think one of those bosses can adapt to the way you play uh, the way you fight and things like that and it's that kind of stuff that is really what changes the changes the they the, the the game of 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 villains now is is how how you get into it of course uh, (laughs) whenever whenever you can get into um any any type of game that has uh a real um like rewarding factor to it that actually gives you something for for actually doing it more than just beating like like a lot like final fantasy 7 remake if you beat the boss or whatever you you unlock hard mode and then you can replay through and keep playing again and and you can that kind of stuff it it's it's more than just okay roll credits so
2: i mean more or less i think do you think it's gonna continue to just raise the bar there's gonna be just bosses who you don't even want to die just because it's been so much fun getting there and once you end it the fun is over i
3: i i think though i guess it depends on the type of game that that it is if it's meant to be something that goes on like like fallout seems to have like (laughs) it is more about the environment than it is dealing with any of the encounters and and it's it's a, the, the people you meet along the way the, the what's happening to these individuals that you interact with um some may to you and me just normal people who are living in civilized <laughs> worlds if we ran into some of these people like that's an evil person but it's just a but when you put it into perspective they're just people who have existed in a an apocalyptic world that have uh, they're just surviving and and have to watch out for themselves and uh, so I don't know. I mean, I, I, it's, it's weird though, but there's games though. There's, there's lots of games out there that are, that are indie games that have just linear endings. They're just like cuphead, for example, is, is a, is a good example of a modern side scroller that it, it's, uh, it's unique in the way it's designed and it's artwork and it's, um, and how you go about doing it. But, um, the bosses, they are just bosses. You beat them, okay. <laughs> you win, and you go on. But, you know, that that's kind of, I guess, the, I think we're getting to a point where the the publishers are just going to stick with what. There's going to be the publishers that make things that they, they, they get their money makers out. Um, vision, we're looking at you, you bastards. <laughs> oh, fucking blizzard. <laughs> fucking guys. Um,. And then, you know, and then there's going to be like the, I hope that we see more, um, uh, what's that guy's name, uh, I don't want to his Twitter name, his game name is Concerned A, but he's the guy who made Stardew Valley, Eric Barone, um, that he's a self-developer, self-composer, he did everything himself, he makes 100% of the profits on his game, because he made it, you know, I hope we see people like that who put their passion, their heart into their own game, and and we kind of we kind of go down that route, because um, I, I know like Legend of Zelda, obviously that game. The reason why that boss fight that I I like so much in Breath of the Wild was so good is because it's driven by a company that's worth billions of dollars. They have the people to to design that shit. They have you know. So part of me is like I don't want to support these stupid fucking corporations that are you know feeding off yeah. people, but they. They also bring really high-quality content that I like to enjoy for entertainment. Um, but you also want to support these in, indie developers who put a lot of work in it and, and, and did it without the help of you know, big, bad corporations. I went on a rant there.
2: Well, no, it's, it's <laughs> very true. And I think you say, it's like, well, trailers can definitely kill a game. If everyone just feels like the story is uninteresting and the or the gameplay is going to suck, it, it's out there. Like, And you get hints of it when you see the game hasn't appeared at the last convention or it got pulled down or they retracted a statement I'm like, uh-oh, what's up? Developers par- partying too much and not getting what they need done? It's not good.
3: <laughs> yeah, that that's the cyberpunk stuff. Like, I, I was waiting for that game for ten years. I've been waiting for that game. Uh, and... I was so hyped for it. I wanted it to be so good and I got it on the PC and and it's okay, but it's like it was so riddled with problems from all other aspects that it just kind of soured it and it was like, you know what? You know, I was totally willing to wait another five years for it. I don't give a shit. I, I will gladly wait for a cave that is, is well built rather than a rushed one that is shit. Um, yeah,
2: totally. I mean, and it's amazing how some gamers can be very open to just certain movies. And yet, if they see a game uh, a game that's playing around, they are so hostile towards it. And it's just like, wow, okay, well, I think there's a bit of a disconnect in terms of how we approach those. Or if there isn't, then everyone's just kind of figuring out how so distracted by their nostalgia and the visuals that you can end up getting so
3: yeah it i don't get i don't get the attitude that people have like whenever people want to make a video game movie or whatever i mean i don't care if you want to wait if you want to spend your money to make a if a studio wants to make a game out into a video or a video game into a movie I'll, i'll go watch it i mean if it sucked, well, then it sucks. I guess that's just what it is. But it doesn't take the the video game still there. I can go back and enjoy it anytime I want. Um, I I don't, you know, the world the Warcraft movie was just kind of like, okay, that was a fantasy movie, uh, whatever. Okay, cool. I, I did I didn't care that much about it. Um, because yeah, it, it a lot of the I I would love to see. I mean, I would love to see video games get the the treatment of like marvel like i think if they could get that level treatment of, of their content i i think i would love to see legend of zelda in in that sort of fashion where you got it into a real movie or a real series of movies or something um rather than just trying to like when they made like dungeon and dragons the the
2: that uh Oof.
3: Was that 90s or early 2000s? I can't and remember.
2: 2000, and it was like, uh, a, and much like Super Mario Rudders, the movie, it was like, right? It was, a, it was a husband and wife team who owned the property and sold it to New Line Cinema. And, yeah. And what all these movies seem to have in common is just big heads, uh, dysfunctional crap behind the scenes. I mean, I don't think any of the actors in Warcraft did any promotion of it, really. But I mean, then it was just kind of funny just seeing how you know the visual effects companies were so distracted and in love with what they were bringing to life i'm like yeah but just the story there and (laughs) we never answered that part of the question but i I mean i remember i definitely lost some interest in industrial light and magic is like why do some of the effects in some of these superhero movies you do and especially in warcraft you know you're just like oh we're so groundbreaking i'm like no you're doing exactly what all the lord of the rings filmmakers you know Rhythm and Hues and Digital Domain have already done for years. So you're not bringing anything new to the table. You're just so in love with what you're making versus (laughs) questioning how it translates on screen. And it just doesn't seem to matter who's in charge. And I also like to tell people is like, hey, you know, you can blame the first name that you see all day. That that doesn't matter. It it has to matter was – the team effort ready to do something pretty key together or was it just kind of lost to begin with
3: <laughs> yeah yeah
2: <laughs> i didn't mean to sour it there but yeah um i also do i think casting is very key you got to have some kind of it's not required you got to have people it doesn't hurt to maybe even have some voice actors who can probably do a very animated job as opposed to just kind of get distracted by bigger names who, you know, all the big movie stars for the most part, aren't playing games. They're just too busy. So, or they never understood it. And yet, you know, they buy it for their kids because they got millions. Um, it definitely makes a difference. I think though, and just finding people who are just been, you know, at least we were able to do a bit of arcade stuff back in the day or kind of get introduced to it to some handle as opposed to just have it summed up for them while getting into characters. So I think, yeah, just, you got to really do some extensive homework on casting. And <laughs> if you're going to do a big bad, you got to make them be really intimidating as, as opposed to just endless fighting. And it seemed like even before Sonic the Hedgehog came out, like, you know, I was really impressed with how that turned out, but I, I was yeah. also just very intimidated by how the companies all thought that looked perfect, and they were just going to ignore their Japanese counterpart. It's like, yeah, big-ass difference, dude. If you is, So there's definitely a lot of boomers who just need to get fired because they are just... They, uh, they are better yet just have the production company and just assign someone newer in charge. Just make your money back don't worry but they they just seem to think that oh the younger people they don't understand it the way i do and it's like well you don't really understand movies so (laughs) pot kettle black on that argument
3: (laughs) yeah i'm actually really surprised we haven't seen by this point like the revolution and, and video game movies in in the sense that like people I don't know like it's it's like you know it makes money I mean comic book movies I'm sure the reason why they never even though like you and I had a bad name before they became bigger and so yeah
2: yeah, everyone forgets the cycle that you go through and it's like it didn't happen overnight there's a lot of experimentation a lot of just you know because filmmakers are just mainly just savvy with how everything looks on a big screen and they have to have some kind of investment in it emotionally or personally before they just say, "Well, of course I'm going to do it because you know I'm the best," you know.
3: <laughs> yeah, you got to have your you got to have your 1990 Captain Americas before you, you know, before you go into <laughs> you get in your you, before you get your X Men and then you and those those are dated now, but you got to get through that before you get your Iron Mans and then your and every and it builds and builds. Um, someone's got to take the chance and put it out there because um, I always I, I keep hearing like oh yeah they're gonna make a Magic the Gathering series on Netflix or oh, they're gonna make a Legend of Zelda series I mean ha, I, I wish they would learn from like you know the we're we're the we're the consumers now like this is uh, you know I, I understood why they probably didn't make even though they probably could have made. Um, X-Men quality movies in the early 90s but the kids who who grew up with comics and all that like really were in it now you know we weren't the people with the money you know our parents were so they were making <laughs> you know y- you were you were making movies that they would want to watch or maybe their the people in their 20s would want to watch at that point point. Um, and now we're the people in you know 20s and 30s and 40s and so on now we're we're the you know nostalgia crowd that wants to go back and have all that stuff um.
2: it's very true because like the 80s everyone was just kind of consuming different medium you know music and other technology in the 90s you got more technologically advanced and yet people were experimenting more with just different trends and eating up the video yep. market and so it's like now it's yes. just like we got options we got streaming if you don't want to put it in a theater or claim it's direct video you can do plenty of other things too and like you say this is like uh now we got endless amounts of money and so now i think everyone can put aside their politics or their social media posts and especially when most of the social media is all just bot accounts that Twitter has just tried to cut down on and Yeah, whack 'em all. <laughs> whack 'em all. Uh a hole in one. And <laughs> I would wonder how many of those people who are developing a big project are like, oh, we got this many likes. I'm like, yeah, but how many of them were authentic? You know, you yeah. can't judge it on that. <laughs> Gotta judge it on so many other factors. And it really is amazing how So many people can just, they just want to put their name on something, and yet, you know, people think they're on set every day. It's like, no, most producers aren't. They're just like you or me, where they're working in a cubicle and then go home at a certain time. They aren't necessarily on the set telling people you got to hurry this up. Often that's when, and much like politics, they, they can play games with the media, hype up some stuff, and... Some of them can be very secretive. Like they didn't let any, they filmed it just dirt cheap in places like one of the Carolinas or New Orleans. And it's just kind of the place now or Atlanta and just get it out there. Not any set visits, no critic approval. And some of the filmmakers I interviewed on here say they have plenty of friends who just instantly go to IMDb and tell them, you know, Post a fake review and it's like it's just so obvious. <laughs> it's not even funny.
3: <laughs> yeah, and being able to get a movie made now at this point, like I, I was still surprised. Like my wife and I were just watching the 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 newest season of um, the movies that made us on Netflix, and we were nice. just watching the the make that's uh, not the making, but it was about Forrest Gump, and uh, and. How much shit Robert Zemeckis had to go through just to get anything <laughs> done on that, and I'm like, I'm like, who the fuck are? They? Did they not know this motherfucker made three Back to the Future movies? Get the fuck off his dick and let him place, let him make some movies. You know he knows what the fuck he's doing. What the fuck are you doing? Give him his money. You know, and I was like, even then they're like, I don't know. Seems like a big chance. I was like, what the fuck, guys? So like, I, I get like that. That shit's probably still going on. I'm sure. I'm sure there are probably people who pull those purse strings now that makes it difficult for you know uh, i i don't i do like that marvel seems to or disney seems to kind of stay the hell out of marvel's business when it comes to they seem to have a lot of creative freedom to do whatever the fuck they want so i i just wish that we could get video games to, to kind of transition into that same thing um i'd love to see them in, in movie form more i'd love to see a lot of these old characters on screen um, but i would also like to just see that taken to where you get more quality um you get more quality acting uh, built into a game <laughs> so the game is actually you're still playing a video game but just the, the quality of acting and voices or whatever just keep getting better and better
2: yeah uh, you definitely would hope the that voices are competent and don't just sound like famous people who they just, you know, put in front of it. And like to yeah. say is like, it is possible, but at the same time, you, you don't know until, you know, and it seems like they're just always doing shortcuts. Just there's going to be a giant bunch of, uh, investors and, you know, whoever had the biggest, uh, uh, named appeal, even if one of their movies flop, that's who gets put on it. It's like, well, it's, it's not the way to go about it. It really isn't. <laughs> yeah. And it's hard to tell them that, too. But, yeah. Um, I'm looking at this show. I keep hearing about it, and I haven't seen it yet. Um, uh, But, yeah, I mean, uh, it seemed like Zemeckis is kind of Suffered for a while there. It just seemed like. Spielberg got him in the door. And then. <laughs> even afterwards. He just. Didn't have time. He just. Kind of just wanted to just experiment. With just doing 3D animation. Or doing that. Uh, Dark castle. You know entertainment with. Joel Silver. <laughs> uh But. I think he would have been keen on, much like Roger Rabbit or Forrest Gump, on adapting any kind of video game. I, yeah, James Cameron seems like
3: that kind of. Yeah, he think he, he seems like that type of creative thing. But I mean, that's a good example though. Like James Cameron, like I mean, The Terminator became a video game, and it was a good video game. So.
2: <laughs> yeah, the, uh, there's some good games and there's some bad games, but I I would definitely appreciate more terminator games and like star trek i think everyone just got more distracted by the bad books and games versus you know just appreciating the franchise for endless eras but yeah um yeah uh, it seems like those guys were all picking those kinds of holes and teasing that they might be developing something and it seems like you got to get to that point you got to just show that you can pull off some visual effects spectacles and have a competent movie underneath it all the glamour and it seems like it's getting harder and harder it Just there's always like a barrier now it like they gotta even throw a filmmaker in who has they seem to be targeting the indie crowds now and it's just like well so now okay now they're in mercenary mode because now they're doing something that they it's not even necessarily close to their heart now you know you got to do a disney picture which is either a remake or a superhero movie or now you got to do a giant you know large scale award winning movie and yeah uh, it seems like it just keeps getting more and more challenging it's just everybody has to just get thrown into it and it doesn't matter if you don't do or don't want to do it you got to just take it cuz this is the only thing being offered now
3: yeah i mean <laughs> i i think if someone like the way they did Sonic was, I mean, we didn't go into like, you know, we didn't literally see Sonic going through Green Hills and Casino and all that, and in like a movie form, it was Sonic in a fashion, you know, to where we could we could experience him in a way, and I, I think you could do, I bet you could make a, a a PG-13 type of Mario Kart sort of thing like they did Sonic, and and it would be, it would have that kind of Fast and Furious-esque to it, but it'd, <laughs> yeah. it'd be around Mario Kart um, and I think that would I think it would do really well if they if they would just try but I, I think I think because of so many failures that have happened um, like if if Sonic would have just came out the, the way it was like like the way it came out now but without having to go through the whole CG remake where they fucked that up and didn't have that stuck on it it probably would have been really really a good jumping you know a jump off point to to get more done but with it does take a very good actor though to 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 bring across the villains like the all these bad guys we have here they have to have a good person behind them because you, you can't just throw any Jim Carrey was uh, I I don't know who else you could have had for Dr. Robotnik because it, it's it's a I mean he's good it it, it, it that's kind of personifies what how kind of nuts that guy is that guy is but you know if you were going to make yeah. a legend a legend of zelda video game um it's going to come down to more of the the voice actor cuz it's going to be a cg guy unless I mean I guess I mean I suppose you could do practical effects if you really wanted to I mean I I would think like it would probably be a little bit of both but um like I, I imagine it being a lot like um uh, what is a legend, you know, where, you know, that obnoxious, crazy demon, consumed, <laughs> you know, for the eighties. Yeah, I get it. Whatever that's you know, it's what you deal with, but something, something along those lines to make someone look like this actual, <laughs> not real life character would be really difficult. Right.
2: And, I think they lucked out because Tim Miller just was giving him no's, And then when he finally got the okay, he's like, here's how we're going to redo this. You know, I don't want anyone's career to be ruined by this, you know? Yeah. And like you say, it's like, even if the voice actors aren't huge, they still got to be able to just kind of just really disappear into it. They got to just really be having fun and they got to have the fun transforming. You know, Jim was just that kind of guy. He didn't need to do any... Comebacks. He has. He's pretty much free to choose what he want. And I guess, you know, so much uh, uh, of it was just confidence. I think. You know, clearly they didn't have problems shooting it. You know, all the effects are going to be added in later. But it just was one of those. I guess. If one thing's off, then the rest of it is off. And everyone just seems to think, oh, you know, everyone's a crybaby. Of course they're not going to like it. It's like, no. That really, there is one thing that can kill it for all. It can be you miscasted someone who's not that, you know, skin color. Or...
3: Yeah. Or I mean, yeah. who's
2: just not... Can't even do that accent or characterization, you know. It's just... Or... And if they're fu- if word gets out, nowadays, you know, bad press can definitely kill a movie. It it, it really doesn't take much. It's just like, oh, so-and-so walked off a set because, you know, director pissed them off. It's like, yeah, well, now your movie's fucked. <laughs> just can't let any of those incidents escape. You can't have a Christian Bell rant. You can't have any of that stuff now. <laughs> That's true. Um, do, do you overall feel like uh, that the main thing that's just kind of keeping everyone deadlocked is just kind of expecting the unexpected? Because it seems like they go for that, and then they'll also go for uh, just, there's too much clickbait. <laughs>
3: you mean in terms of like, like video games everything to has movies? to get your attention. Or... Yeah.
2: Movie oh. news, everything has to get your attention and it doesn't. And I mean like someone, my sister announced an announcement to me the other day. I'm like, you do realize those actors haven't even signed the contract yet. So that's already a half truth. You know?
3: <laughs> yeah, I guess. I mean, what was it like whenever Henry Cavill signed up to be the witcher? I, I, I don't remember what the buzz around that was. I, it really did kind
2: of it. come out of nowhere, like the other ones. It's like they keep that one definitely secluded.
3: Like, and that was a very that was a fucking hit show. And I mean, I, I guess maybe they shouldn't rely on that shit. Instead of trying to build hype, just focus on getting good actors and 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 getting a good cast and getting getting a good script. Like, I, I think that I think I there's too much get rich quick type of stuff going on. Um, and they it really have, is. I just trying and to flip and, and go on. Whereas, if you just if you just stick to it and put something good out there, I'm not gonna say that I don't really like The Walking Dead much. But whatever whatever <laughs> formula whatever formula was done there, whatever it was that they put together to keep so many people engaged for ten seasons, when most shows don't go that long in that type of format, um, you know walking dead kind of kind of came out of nowhere too whenever i didn't even realize it had been a thing until i think court told me about it like yeah you gotta go watch this man that was for season one and season one was fucking spectacular um it was you know unlike anything i'd ever seen like this is really good you know um so i think they i think they just gotta stop trying to hype stuff and stop hype training shit and stop trying to sell our nostalgia back to us just just give us a good movie,
0: <laughs> right?
3: I, I think is, is what we need. Leave um, it to
2: the creatives to sell it instead of and. But that's the other problem too. They'll. It used to be you had to make your own trailers all in studio, but now since yeah. they do it all, you know, quick is like now. Yeah,
3: they they, they, out, they outsource it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, it's always like two like five giant LA companies that they give to just do the trailers, and it's like well they. You should have given them some notes, make it look like this or that. And instead, it's just, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> it's not at all what the movie's about. <laughs> it's not a take a knockoff. It's a suspense thriller. It's not a Halloween type stalker movie. It's a home invasion movie. You know, it's like, uh, <laughs> the minute you're on the wrong page, you've already fooled. You know, the audience just won't see it either. You know, they're not that stupid. There's some who don't care and will see anything, but most of them will be pretty picky. <laughs> I do think, like you say, there's there's just a lot of secrecy and there's a lot of they they also make the mistake of picking a giant filmmaker who is either just too self indulgent or used to just trial and error. Or just can't work with the budget they got. So it almost always comes down to we got to reshoot half this movie, you know, and it and it doesn't even have to be a, you know, there's a shitty actor in it who, you know, just got into a scandal. and Now we got to reshoot it anyway. It's like, no, this is more of a, you were never going to be able to work well on a $5 million budget anyway. So you were already the wrong guy for the job. <laughs>
3: Yeah, you probably spent $5 million just trying to pay for that guy's salary for the movie. Yeah, it
2: does make you wish that some of it could be like a TV show where it's like, okay, keep in mind, if a producer doesn't like one thing they see or they're the creator of the whole thing, they can just come in and dismiss you from the set for that day or for that hour and just do a few additional pickup shots. Don't take it personally. you know. Some people can just do your job better than you. And I think Everyone just gets too personal. Don't get me wrong. There's some people who are just flat-out pricks. They're like, hey, you are going to cry, right? (laughs) It's like, no, this actor can't cry. (laughs) Get their face moist. And and then you get the... I I think you get just other people just thrown into it who just, they don't rehearse, they don't prep, and just wonder why they're just so bad. (laughs) Yeah. Or they're just bad in that kind of movie. So it's just like, yeah. (laughs) People grow, and some of them do really grow. It's just they had, like, those five movies where they were atrocious. And and I think other people act like that, too. They act like, oh, you're a good actor. They can't be bad. I'm like, oh, yes, they can. <laughs> they have plenty of performances they're not proud of, or which everyone else likes, and they just shrug their shoulders saying, I don't get it. I don't think it's good. <laughs> uh, for Walking Dead, I pretty much saw how it was becoming kind of the lost, where everyone just wanted to just constantly just – Post updates and like Game of Thrones, they get mad if someone spoiled an episode. And I just was—I yeah. only saw the first season, and I was just like, it's just not going to get any better for me. I find it mildly entertaining, and then I just saw people endlessly complaining. I'm like, yeah. By the time it had gotten like to season seven, I was just like, I'm just not going to even bother with it. I'm just seeing this much complaining. I'm seeing all these other clubs from it, which I'm not caring for. I—I I was. <laughs> I, I think it was a good idea to just not mess with it because it just seems like everybody is just – it's a love-hate. They want to complain about it, and then others are just, like, fed up with it. I gave it up after season two or four. I'm like, oh, okay. This is the kind of fandom I dislike. <laughs> get that it's unavoidable yeah. like sometimes when creators leave or actors are fired, but there's other ones where it's like, okay, guys, keep it to five years. Keep it – keep it there
3: (laughs) yeah that's i mean you could tell whenever you could definitely tell like in dexter when they change writers you could tell that something something took a left turn and and it's like whoa what just happened here what was going on with the show what happened (laughs) and um that's just the way it is and i mean you know with the
2: game you can tell how much thought was put into it based on how dense the levels are how detailed they are how many glitches are avoided yeah. and i think just a lot of people just you know it seemed like that was some games you know lost their properties right up in there then and there because they had duke Nukem equivalents where everyone wanted to own it but no one wanted to make it good you know <laughs> so it just linger until someone some game company you know finally ran out of money and filed, filed chapter 11 and then sold their asset to some other company that actually wanted it and <laughs> Uh, I I guess you could say that's just kind of how it is here with games uh, becoming movies. It's like everyone's had these projects, and now everyone's just kind of moved on. It's like, you know, it gets even wonkier when you just see people credited for the first draft just because they were like the main writer of it. And then they've had all these seven other rewrites that just don't add up at all. It's like you can tell. (laughs) It's rough around the edges. The dialogue is someone else, you know, uncredited rewrite by Robert Town or Aaron
3: Sorkin. <laughs> yeah, I guess it's probably tough that, like... I mean, there's there's actors... There's the actors who you can give anything to, like, and and, the, and they're going to be able to do it. They don't need any experience with it. They just... You give them the script, they give them the directions, whatever. They, they know how to implement a character. Then there's going to be people who... They might have an attachment to it, like... Um, like, um... Uh, like, if you if you were going to bring out a Zelda game today or a game, uh, a Zelda movie today, there's enough Zelda games that all the <laughs> actors you have to choose from, it goes over enough years that you could probably get anybody from somewhere that knows what a Zelda game is. But if you're oh going to, but if you're going to release like, I don't know, like um I'm trying to think like a, maybe a, I don't even know what a newer game series would be. Like maybe,
2: I don't know, I guess, it could be a movie. It could be a show. But Dragon yeah. Age
3: or Mass Effect. Something that didn't have, like, you know, it, it's still an older game, but, you know, it doesn't go back nearly as far. It's just like, well, am I doing a Dragon Age game, or do you just want to, sh- or this just looks like a regular fantasy game or fantasy movie? You just want to, are we doing Lord of the Rings here, or what, what do you want? And... Right.
2: <laughs> are you doing some mythical quests kind of game? Yeah. Or are you actually doing a giant. Landscape uh, RPG that uh, has like five different key areas with their own missions and uh, different uh, different uh, levels of success versus progression, and it, it gets even co- more complicated because, like you say, is like yeah, the developers have definitely had plenty of influences and plenty of resources that they can be familiar with most different eras, especially if that's all they've done, you know, much like if all you've done is do movies versus comics, then yeah, if all you've done is games, then yeah, you pretty much know you're a connoisseur on that area, you know, all of that stuff. Um, altogether, it's also a little annoying that no matter how hard they try, it's just like, they will all there will always be just some bullshit, just someone just getting a fill yeah someone up top who wants this done they don't know what they want and not are not to pay me the right amount so i'm walking it's a lost cause and it just makes you wish some of these guys could actually kind of kill these projects if they really aren't going to go anywhere it's like get that producer who's a hack removed or tell them to recast that actor and just say you know you're just not the right pick or before all this time and energy is just wasted instead of just finding out midway through, I just don't want to even promote this. you know. <laughs> and, but that's the other problem too. People don't seem to realize it can be a unenjoyable ride, just making a movie. And it doesn't necessarily have mean that it's going to be a bad movie. It can be, you know, a shit show, you know, where you got lights going out or camera film stolen, you know, <laughs> and, yeah. You can still have a good movie. The editor, you know, is the real magician. Now, almost always it just seems like there will be another just person who uh Rod- who thinks like Gene Roddenberry's lawyer or is like, Hey, I wanna be a filmmaker even though I have absolutely no integrity, any kind of narrative building <laughs> and just wanna come in last minute. Oh, but people don't care about that. They care about the sex and violence. So, you know, cut out the character development. I'm like, uh, no, now no one cares about anything. They're just seeing random images that just become white noise after a while. <laughs> It does make you wonder how many people actually do, you know, they're so busy trying to get it done. How many people just wait to the premiere to see the movie versus just watch it in a private, you know, uh, production company theater just to, you know, keep and just give out notes after each recut. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's very often.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a lot of... Uh... I think it's. I think a lot of the process has gotten really refined really to where, you know, if you, if you go outside of that system, you, you have to get your public approval some other way.
2: <laughs> I'll buy some critics. <laughs> That'll show Um. So it looks like we're out of uh, big bosses to talk about. So, uh, the real big bosses are the movie studios sounds like we need to adapt these games Um, anything you want to promote feel free if not thank you so much for doing a fun episode
3: yeah Yeah, it was fun I I always love talking bullshit about you know stuff that uh, I actually know something about once in a while so
4: (laughs) (laughs) we'll return after these messages hey
6: So take a dose of...
0: They must be destroyed on sight!
6: As needed, and let the
1: hosts... Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, Cure What Ails you.
4: Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocery itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening.
6: Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag and PJ picks one out at random Mm -hmm. and then we just watch it and we talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours, whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? Most of the time. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games, mm-hmm. music, Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's mm-hmm. the big one, music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just, oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, PJ. yeah yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. <laughs> so if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you can think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers. Yes. The Google Play. Yes. Apple Podcasts. What else? Podbean. What else? Podcast Addict. Goddamn. All that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere. Worldwide, baby. Hustle motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah. We gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want his hair to say, Ah. Ah. that good fun stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> You.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
6: don't, don't, don't run the listeners away, peace ah, I'm sorry. But this is going kind of long. Yes. Yeah, so we'll end this and say, hey, check out the Home Video Hustle every Friday on all the various podcast outlets. Peace. Peace.
5: As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me.
3: If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies.
1: Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necro-
0: It's
6: late. It's time. Let's check our cue, baby.
0: Pair it with a couple
6: brews,
1: baby. We love good movies. We love the bad ones too. So we watch them all and pass their ooh, lessons on to you. Ooh, oh yeah! out. Everything
6: I learned from movies helps to make life a little bit groovier. With a one last black hole, a gratuitous boopers. It's time to get busy with your friend Steven. At
3: EILFM.podbean.com.
4: Welcome to Who Was She? Podcast. I am your host, Tara Jabari. After a decade working in documentaries, marketing, and all things digital media, I found that podcasting is a strong medium to share stories. After years of producing for others, I decided to start my own biographical podcast, Who Was She? will focus on the life of a woman throughout Baha'i history. The first season is about Lydia Zeminov. Lydia's story explores the subjects of the power of language and faith. Her father invented the universal language Esperanto, and she came from a Jewish family and became a Baha'i. She grew up during World War I and was killed during World War II in a concentration camp, despite heroic efforts to save her life. How can one person's life intersect with so many others, connect across borders, and inspire a biography which inspired this podcast? Over the next few weeks, I will share her story with you and the lives that were most affected by her and those who affected her life as well. They include her father, Ludwig Semenov, her spiritual mother, American journalist Martha Root, and the Baha'i German soldier, Fritz Mako, who worked for the resistance undercover while having to serve the Nazi party. I want to thank the author, Wendy Heller, and George Ronald Publishing for their blessing to let me use Heller's biography, Lydia, The Life of Lydia Zemenoff, Daughter of Esperanto, as a main and instrumental resource for this podcast. So please subscribe and learn about this amazing woman who traveled through three continents in an effort to bring unity through the power of language. You can also find more information on our Instagram, Facebook, and Pinterest at Who Was She Podcast. Music was composed and performed by Sam Redd. I am your host, Tara Jabari. Join us next time as we begin our journey about Lydia Zeminoff.
5: Hi, everybody. It's Mac Jackson. I wanted to invite you to a new site called the Forever Adventure Network. This website has everything pictures, videos, blogs. There's original music by Harmony Constant. Two podcasts. One is the MacGyver podcast, where we celebrate Richard Dean Anderson, his iconic roles, and how it's influenced our lives. There's episode discussions, interviews, and life conversations. The second podcast is the Never Gets Old podcast, where we celebrate all the best things that we love in life from TV, movies, music, and comics. The site is also the home for the MacGyver SG-1 audio series an ongoing adventure series that continues the adventures of MacGyver and SG-1. There are also multiple stores to choose from for all of your pop culture and adventure needs. Come on by and check us out today and thanks for joining the adventure.
7: Are you sick of the same old stale podcasts? Well then join Vanessa and Darren as they dissect movies of all kinds. The two lifelong cinema lovers bring their favorites, curiosities, and first time watches to the operating table and inject them with a healthy dose of snark. Then there's the waiting room where they examine books and short stories. So just look for them on Apple Podcasts and where fine podcasts are available. They're part of the Legion Podcast Network. Follow them on Twitter at VD Clinic Pod. Join them on Facebook at com slash groups slash VD Clinic Pod. Or email them at vdclinicpod at gmail.com they're ready to cure what ails you (laughs) and still they just might be a little contagious
8: hi there it's heather from the watching netflix without you podcast did you know that there are over 1200 netflix original feature films and documentaries and that number is only growing. So I've made it my mission to watch as many as I possibly can. Then with a delightful guest or guests, disclaimer, more often than not my brother Ryan, we spend an episode rating, reviewing, and discussing a film at length. The first half of every episode is spoiler free for those who haven't seen it yet. And in the second half, after a very clear spoiler warning, we dive into it. And that's really about it. You can listen to watching Netflix without you on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more.
3: We now continue with our program.